3: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's your host, Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice.
2: Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity FM Online Radio. My name is Rev. Dan Beckett, and I'm your host today, sitting in for Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice. Here on Spirit of Recovery, we talk about how spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth and your recovery journey. This program is open to everyone, addicts, alcoholics, family members, friends, co-workers, anyone whose life is touched by addiction. According to recent research, over 46% of the American public has a family member or friend that struggles with an addiction issue. So our goal is to carry the message of spirituality in recovery. We explore the many faces of spirituality through the experiences of and the lessons learned by those who have taken this journey. We hope that you will not only hear a few things you already know, but also get new ideas and information, new perspectives, and perhaps some tips that you can put to practical use in your own journey. We know you will deepen your spiritual walk in recovery as a result. Please tell your friends about the show and invite them to join us online or by downloading the podcast later from the online podcast library of over seven years of recovery-oriented radio shows. Podcasts are available through Stitcher, iTunes, Alexa, or on the web. Just search for Spirit of Recovery. We want to say thank you to all of you joining us today. Thank you for listening. The spiritual principle of integrity is one of the tenets of the 12-step program, particularly the fifth step, and it is one of the principles we are focused on today with our guest, Tom P. Tom, thank you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us today. You're
1: quite welcome, Dan. I'm honored to be here.
2: Glad you're here. Tom, you've had quite the spiritual journey growing up with addiction present all around you. And there's a phrase that had come up. There is a fine line between being helpful and being an enabler. And I know that you can shed some light on this for us today. Would you share a bit about your early experiences and how they shaped your worldview?
1: Well, I was uh, raised in a Catholic family um very early my father had gone off to fight the war and came back and then my sister and i were born she's two years my senior and uh well my father evidently came back as an alcoholic Mm. he was probably that beforehand but my mother was too young to realize it at the time needless to say uh he left. And then, of course, in the 50s, that wasn't, you know, a good thing. And so my mother moved on and married another alcoholic. Wow. So, and as I discovered, uh, that was pretty much part of my whole family and their whole way of being.
2: Yes, I can can see that. So what would you say that Uh, In those early experiences, what would you say you learned, uh, or what were your beliefs about yourself, about God, about the world, as as a result of that environment?
1: Well, I knew that wasn't what I wanted to be, even though, you know, as a, a young individual, you... You know, sometimes you want to sprout your wings and you think it's what you want to do and you try your drinks and this, that, and the other, but it just mm-hmm. never did uh, Did work for me. It wasn't something I wanted. I knew I wanted something different. I just didn't know exactly what it was.
2: Okay. And what would you say uh, during that time? I imagine you must have had to develop some skills To walk through those uh, difficult and challenging experiences that you're describing? How how would you say, as a child, um, you learned to cope?
1: Well, I guess I learned from the first enabler, which was my mother, who Mm -hmm. I realized was quite an enabler. And I thought, okay, this is what I have to do. And after a Third uh, my mother said, You're, and I wasn't quite 13 yet. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I was just, just shy. And um, I remember it very well. And I, it was like, okay, now I have to pick up the gauntlet, so to speak.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: the man in the house i mean that's what i was told uh, uh, you know what my mother said. so yes thus the enabler began
2: yeah that sounds like a young age to be given that responsibility i can imagine that there that that was very challenging what were some of the specific oh i don't know uh behaviors or strategies that you observed in your mother that you feel like you picked up
1: well, I mean, like I said, she was an enabler. She she herself was... She drank, but she, I, I wouldn't have called her an alcoholic. Um, right. She socially drink, uh, go out, or she would maybe have a drink at home once in a while, but I never really saw my mother intoxicated. I can't say that for the rest of her brothers and sisters or mm-hmm. even my father's uh, side of the family. Uh, so... And I observed, and as I said, I learned from her, okay, so she's taking care of these, so therefore, she's not around, I take care of
3: them.
1: Uh. Uh, when we came uh, at an early age, we moved to California when my mother got remarried the first time, and then that didn't work out, and we moved back down to my grandparents, where I had an uncle that lived on the farm as well, who was down on a farm in Indiana, and uh, he was quite an alcoholic. Uh, He would (laughs) drink like a fish. That was about the best way I could put it. And so I had to learn to cope with him and uh, learn how to, well, move through my days and
3: do the things
1: that that we, uh, uh, as I eventually learned in Al-Anon, suffered from for many years before we found Al-Anon.
2: Yes, okay. So would you do things like avoid him, for example?
1: Well, that was kind of hard because my mother worked in the city, and we were down on the farm, and... uh, my uncle was an air traffic controller, and when he was off, he was drinking. Gotcha. And that was simple as that. And I would learn to fetch his beers and, you know, get a sip out of it once in a while. But it never tasted good to me. It just, you yes. know, I mean, it just wasn't. I, I, He he had other issues that go along with the alcoholism and so forth. Of, uh, evidently my grandfather when he was younger did drink also But I never saw my grandfather drink But uh, he was My grandmother was the enabler And I guess my mother picked up after her And then I picked up after my mother So
2: Yes, just like addiction <laughs> yes, right. It runs in families very much uh, like we see in, in the addict him or herself so from what you've said, it's it seems that you had addiction surrounding you as you grew up, although you yourself were not subject to it. Can you say more about your family? Who, who was in it that did have an addiction problem, who didn't, or just generally characterized so that we can understand and identify with this environment, this challenging environment that you grew up in? Well,
1: uh, we were a, a- a close family, especially on my mother's side. And she had um, seven brothers and sisters, but unfortunately she lost two brothers in the second war. Mm. Of course, I didn't know them, but the rest of the brothers and sisters were all alcoholics.
2: All and of them?
1: All, all of
2: them. Wow.
1: I, I, the, at the time, I didn't know that I knew that they drank. I didn't realize the pattern then until later on in years, and I realized they were all alcoholic. You know, they would come together and they'd all be drinking, or whenever they were, you know, anything they felt like they had to drink. And and I realized yeah. they were they were all alcoholic. And uh, you just learn, like the rest of the family, how you cope with them, and and in different ways, and either you ignore them or you try to help them, and uh, sometimes the ignoring would help, not so much maybe with the aunts and uncles, but other than the the one which I lived with, the uncle that I lived with, I had mm-hmm. to learn to cope, and just, uh, you know, if he asked for something, do it, and, and then when he would pass out, Make sure he got to bed and didn't try to pull you in with him or something and you know. All the different things that can happen as a young sure. child.
2: Yeah. Sounds like you had to tread very carefully much of the time. Right.
1: Right. And then of course then of course I went into the service during Vietnam and of course met lots of people who were alcoholics and and began helping people. That's when I began helping people and continued helping people. In my point of view, I was helping people. Yes. Even to the point to where uh, my own work was oriented around helping people who were alcoholics, drug addicts, and so forth.
2: So you you pretty much uh, it sounds like perhaps made a profession out of being helpful to people who were uh, in uh, addiction of some kind
1: I did And um, You know I was It was, wasn't was my first One it was like a, I had been through The service then I went Into uh, Business went into uh, Corporate world And was in the corporate world for quite a few Years and Of course met lots of people who were
2: alcoholics There Yes, everywhere.
1: It, yeah, and uh, still I was helping people, whether they were working for me or people that I knew that were just proteges, uh, and I knew they were alcoholics, and, oh, they need help, they need help, they need help. And then um, I got into alternative health. Uh, my wife at the okay. time had... Different illnesses that just were not being helped by medications. And we learned to other ways to uh, get involved with things, and then I got involved with organizations, and then I decided to move more into that line of work, and that was where I really started helping people in different ways. to get over alcoholism and so forth. Um, I was uh, CEO of the uh, American Healing Arts Alliance. Okay. And we had a, a building down in Arkansas, and we had lots of groups rent space from us to have their meetings and so forth. Mm-hmm. And the largest group was the N.A. group. And one of the main guys who likes to get things done and so forth asked if, if part of their work to return to us if we would allow that him and some of his friends to paint our building. And I said, oh, by all means, because it was an older building. And I said, sure. So I said... He said, you can help. I said, oh, by all means. So I was, I can remember I was up on the roof of the building and we were talking and, you know, I was telling, he was asking about me and so forth and talking to him. and says, you know, I hear how much you're helping everybody, just like you help all of us in this group and so forth. And, and you've been helping people all the time. Uh. In these 12 step programs. And then he made a comment that bored me. He said, So, when are you going to get help for you?
2: Wow. How did that strike and, you?
1: Well, it was, I said, But I, I'm not an alcoholic. He says, No, you're an in innate. Wow. And I'd never heard that. And he says, no, there's a group called Al-Anon
2: it says, you need to go. <laughs> so that was kind of a wake-up moment, perhaps. Somebody oh, uh, had the foresight or the courage or, uh, to speak up and to share that with you. And it sounds like it it landed well, that it that you resonated with that somehow.
1: Um, it certainly did. It was a, a, quite an eye-opener, an awakening on my part, it, There was so many things going on at the same time. I started also through some of these processes, getting more into my spiritual side, metaphysical side. Uh, I had found unity. I had been involved with the Rosicrucians. And all of this was within about a five to eight year period that culminated with this happening.
2: With that event.
1: Oh, right. So, you know, synchronicity certainly plays quite a role here. And uh, so I knew that it was all part of my journey.
2: Yes. And
1: so it was was an eye-opener. I was quite shocked about it, thinking. (laughs) Yes. I'm I'm sitting here trying to help all these people, and he said, when are you going to get help? And I'm going,
2: what? Yeah, <laughs> but, right. At first did not but compute I'm here
1: Helping everybody. I'm the helper.
2: Right. No, you
1: need help. And and it really was an eye opener. And uh between that and and lots of different classes that I took in Unity and, and other uh things and teachings that I was involved with, I yeah. that's where I am today.
2: So it sounds like that was a major turning point uh, onto your own recovery path. But I'm wondering uh, if we backtracked a little bit, talk about and help our listeners understand, was there a God concept in your family when you were young and growing up? You know, What was your conception of the divine or of spirituality as a child in, in the years leading up to this turning point?
1: Well, Yeah, that is interesting because I was raised a Catholic and, um, you know, went through all the teaching, went to Catholic school, even went to a Catholic high school. And uh, it wasn't until probably kind of just before all this began transitioning, I had sent my two youngest sons to a private. All boys Catholic school,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, with a, a monastery uh, with monks, and I got to to um, learning more about what was going on in the monastery, and got close to some of the monks, and and even got to. Uh, participate in some things that normally lay people didn't. Wow. When I began to learn that, you know, what the lay person learned is totally different than what the clergy learned.
2: Wow. Give us some examples of that. That sounds very compelling. Well,
1: it uh, it was very metaphysical. Um, there, There was a lot of the... Understanding that I, I knew that I knew things, but I didn't know why I knew them because ah, I hadn't been trained.
2: I see. And, so you had an internal sense of the divine right. that you maybe didn't have words for. Does that sound right?
1: Well, yeah, I would say that would that sounds pretty good. It. Uh, I, I I knew that at a young age, probably by the age of twelve. You know, I I can remember having discussions with people and they'd say, What?
2: And said, yeah.
1: Oh no, this and this and this and they said, No, I said, why not? I said, you know, I, I can I can still remember one time uh there were three three of us that kinda hung out together and three or four of us and we were going to lunch one day in junior high. And we got into this discussion about the universe. And one person said, Oh, well, the rocket, of course. And another person said, No, the atom bomb. And then they turned me and they said, Well, Tom, what about you? And I said, Well, that's easy. It's what created all those things you're talking about
2: the mind. The mind. And, Probably you're thinking the uh, the capital M um, mind. <laughs> yes,
1: absolutely. I knew wow. that there, there was something there because I knew things that, that I didn't know where they came from.
3: Yes. And I knew
1: they had to come from someplace, but I just didn't know where. And that yes. was when I first learned a little bit about the Rosicrucians. I saw it in a magazine and and learned a little bit and it was years later before I actually joined them and then later before I learned about unity um, and that was simply going to a class. I remember while I was in the Catholic Church it was kind of unusual. One of the things that I loved every month we would get these little magazines that we can buy for 50 cents. And I always went out and gar- grabbed one. They were called The Daily Word. Ah. And I always remember seeing, oh, uh, Unity Publishing, I just thought it was a publishing company. Yes. I had no idea. But I loved The Daily Word. And, you know, of course, some of the interviews and stories that they had in there, they were always so intriguing to me. But I always looked for my daily word. And then when I got involved uh, years later, of course, like I said, with the uh, uh, American Healing Arts Alliance, I was going to a meeting and met in the Unity Church. And I said, oh, they have the daily word here. Yes. Oh, and there, of course, then I got a, an introduction into Unity. Said, <laughs> so, "Yeah, this we're, we're the ones that created that and make that." Learned about Charles and Merlin, and of course, that was my introduction in, uh, into Unity at the time. And and then I went to lots more classes after that.
2: Yes, what a wonderful way to become acquainted through the daily word. That's amazing.
1: So yeah, you've and mentioned that the, the You know, if it hadn't been yeah,
2: there,
1: right. for them, I would have probably never known anything about it in unless until that time and I might have picked one up, might not have. But yeah, yeah. I love the daily I always have.
2: So it sounds like even as a young person you had a, an innate understanding of the divine within you, of, an inner knowing like we talk about, of the, of the concept, whether we call it God or spirit, or as you use the term mind, or divine mind, perhaps, is a new thought term. And you've mentioned the Rosicrucians as well. Um, talk about your, your when you first got on a purposeful spiritual path. What, which one, what was that out of all of the uh, experiences that you've had? What would you say your first fe- spiritual path was?
1: Well, when I really got more involved, I guess the Rosicrucians came first and then and then Unity, but uh, when I started studying what they called the mystical science, so to speak, mystic, mm-hmm. and which really, as we know, isn't really mystic at all. It's just that we have to learn to understand. Yes. And and learned that, you know, we do have that ability to connect with that one mind or that one consciousness. And uh, learning that and studying that and following that, I think has been the greatest thing that has helped me understand life, even Mm. though I still make mistakes, as everybody does, uh, I used to say, "Well, you know, sometimes I do fall into this humanness, and therefore, uh, as part of being a human being, means I have to experience it and go through the mistakes of being human. That's just part of it."
2: Yes. And, Could you and share and a little heard, bit about the Rosicrucians? We've talked, you've mentioned that, and for for those listeners who are unfamiliar with that movement, can you describe it?
1: Well, there are. Actually many different sects If you will of the Rosicrucians Okay And the path that I follow is is called Amorc A-M-O-R-C Which is the ancient mystic order Of the Rosicruci Which okay. is the Rosicruci And uh, it, Which is also kind of interesting Because that's how I learned First Actually about Charles Fillmore Was through the ah. Because in the archives and studying through some of the archives, he used to do a lot of writing for them because he had studied with them.
2: So there's a connection there between Mr. Fillmore's thinking, which we know as New Thought, and the Rosicrucians.
1: Right. In fact, he was actually invited to be the first English-speaking imperator for the Rosicrucians. Wow. Uh, They were always based in France, which... uh, a lot of people don't know, and to, just to give you a real fast history on that, uh, all the signers of the Declaration of Independence were Rosicrucian, okay. and Thomas Jefferson, if you study anything at all about history, made lots of trips to France. And the reason that he went there was because he was continuing his studies, because at that time, that was the base for uh, the Rosicrucians, was in France. Okay. And uh, after the turn of the century, they wanted to have an English-speaking imperator to, uh, you know, bring the Americans closer in and and English-speaking people more into it. And Charles was actually invited to be the first comparative. Of course, he had already started Unity, and he, his mindset was there. And he turned yes. it down. And
2: then, his plate was full, perhaps, at that moment.
1: Right. And so uh, it was. It was quite a journey to have all this gel together and realize I know I'm on the right path uh, because of the synchronicity of it all.
2: Yes. So at that time, when you were encountering the Rosicrucians, uh, you had already been familiar with the Daily Word. Is that right? Right. And not yet. I didn't not know yet about Unity,
1: but I was, I was familiar with the Daily Word. <laughs>
2: okay. And so, building, it sounds like um, there was a natural path for you as a as a person who, even as a child, had an innate understanding, an intuition, that inner knowing of the Divine, uh, and encountering the Daily Word and getting that uh, similar vibe from it. It sounds like you were walking forward with a pretty strong base already by the time you had encountered the Rosicrucians.
1: I agree. Um, and I, But had all this happened earlier, I probably wasn't ready yet. I think that Divine timing uh, has a lot to do with it. Um, I had to go through what I had to go through with life and uh, to come to where I am today. And I do believe in divine order. Boy, do I believe in that. (laughs) Yes. Lots of stories on that, too.
2: Yes, that sounds like a great topic for our second segment. We're coming up now on our midpoint break. So hold that thought. Uh, When we come back, we'll start with the Serenity Minute. A brief moment to focus on a positive thought. And then my guest Tom and I will continue our conversation. Please stay with us. We'll see you after the break.
3: Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice.
2: Welcome back. And again, this is Rev. Dan Beckett sitting in for Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice today. And we're glad you're with us. If you're just joining us, um, this is your host, Rev. Dan, and our guest is Tom P. But before we continue our conversation with Tom, please join me as we take a few moments to center ourselves in a serenity minute. As we pause, I invite you to take a moment to take a deep breath, to relax, and to focus on this constructive thought. With the power of integrity, I can transform my life. I step forward with integrity. Let's take a few moments and take that statement within. Thank you for joining me in the Serenity Minute. Now, Tom, back to our conversation. Before the break, you were sharing about uh, what we characterized as your first intentional spiritual path. Uh, You'd had a sense of of the divine as a child, a very natural intuition. You had encountered the daily word uh, in your Catholic community, and then you had found the Rosicrucians, which was uh, your first intentional spiritual path. Share with us a little bit more about what that was like as you moved into that path. What what were some of the ideas that resonated with you?
1: Well, I think... uh as we briefly mentioned, the uh, divine mind or the the, the the universal mind concept in the way they put it in the Rosicrucian, universal mind, as we call divine mind, same thing.
2: Yes, yes.
1: And uh, learning different ways of connecting through that. And, of course, as we do quite often in unity, meditation is the one of the best ways to connect with that uh, that higher consciousness. And, of course, we talk about that in 12-step programs as well. Uh, yes. You pray and meditate, and, of course, unity is very much about prayer and meditation. So I really got into this meditation and learning how to connect with that that universal mind or, or God-mind consciousness. And it—it it is at that point that I could say my life really began to take the spiritual path. Oh. Uh, I was doing lots of different things, as I mentioned, uh, of course, the resurrection, finding unity... And um, I also got into, as I was also briefly speaking about the uh, getting into alternative healing paths, to the point to mm-hmm. where I had both uh, a TV and a radio program
2: uh,
1: around that, in, in a, a state you wouldn't think of as being that minded, which was Arkansas.
2: Yeah! Wow.
1: Well received too. So I yeah. It was quite a path to take, and I can I I even I, you know I studied not just the things that I studied in North Crucian, but uh, like Reiki and reflexology, massage. I, I learned about so many different things. Learned about herbs. Uh, actually had an, uh, an herb center and herbal shop with all these things in it and uh hypnotherapy even had a hypnotherapy school so i really was learning how to get into this uh consciousness and yes. and how to help others into the consciousness
2: yeah it sounds like a and, lot of things were coming together for you at that point as you'd mentioned that uh, as you moved into your experience with that uh, first spiritual group, the Rosicrucians, you were seeing uh, what sounds kind of like um, synchronicities, perhaps, or common ideas, certainly uh, with prayer and meditation being at the center of of all three groups. You had shared a few minutes ago about how that uh, 12-step member had said to you one day, when are you going to get in recovery, which sort of took you back, but also woke you up. Can you share with us what that was like? You know, when you first started attending Al-Anon meetings and encountering 12-step spirituality uh, in earnest, what was that like for you?
1: At first, you know, of course, you Anybody that's been in any twelve step, you gotta go through step one first and get past the denial. Uh, so the first thing is the hardest part is to say, Hey, I got a problem you know, and believing you have a problem. So I did as he suggested, and I went to some El Anon meetings and you know, I, I, I listened and I could hear some common things and I went on and I can't say that really Hit me right on the head the first time that I, I started going.
2: Okay.
1: However, when I started seeing repetitions, things did stick. Things that I learned about, you know, the enabling part. And all of a sudden I'm going, Am I enabling? After not going, and then I moved up here to Missouri, then I started going back again and got a different perspective. Okay. I've been in and out of Al-Anon for over 25 years and uh, you know I was what I was over 40 when I first got in so I know, that tells my age <laughs> uh, yeah. so but it was it was a different perspective different place, different perspective uh, at the time I was Uh, Dating a lady who was in AA, and so I'd go to the al meetings and started realizing what it was all about. Um, I'll back up again to Arkansas, just simply because before the break, I started talking about learning about divine order. And Mm -hmm. early on, as I was really getting into the spiritual idea of things... One of the things that I've always admitted to having a problem with uh, that I think Al-Anon has helped me with um, was that I, I always had a, a kind of an impatience with people. You know, I like people to be on time. I'd prefer they be early, but I really had a problem with people being on time. Mm. And I had taught my very first individual to be a Reiki master and we were going to go to this new class coming up down in Dallas, Texas. And I was asked that I could invite, because of the American Healing Arts Alliance, that I could invite two or three more to go with me. So I invited this first person who had a a bad reputation not being on time. Mm. And so I asked her if... She asked if she could go, and I said, sure, please be on time. She was a single mother and had a teenage daughter. And I get a call from her about 20 minutes before we're supposed to leave. I'm going to be late. Please wait for me. I want to go with you. Okay. To make the long story short, the little bit became five hours, and I waited. And we left, and we got over into Oklahoma and stopped at this this um, truck stop to grab a bite to eat and all these yep. truckers were talking we could we could hear all these truckers talking about this accident that was the worst accident they had ever experienced some of them twenty five years of driving and so forth never experienced this bad of an accident. What we were able to piece together listening, had we left on time, we would have been in the middle of it. And there were
2: 20 deaths. Oh, my goodness. So
1: that was when I said, I don't think I'm going to worry about when somebody says, listen, I'm going to be (laughs) late.
2: Yes. And so this this is an example of a wonderful story that you're telling us about divine order. Yes. Is that how you have come to see things like that, with that through that yes. lens, that idea of divine order?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I can I can tell many stories uh, since then uh, that you know a lot of them are unity related, or at least one in particular one is unity related that that. Uh, it was just simply because of my connection to unity, uh, or I might not have even been here today, right so, so I know that I'm in the right place at the right time, doing what I'm supposed to do, yes. And i don't I no longer second guess myself like I used to i I try to be patient um uh, it's still ingrained in me sometimes that okay, I'll be on time. Okay, well, but if you're not, it's okay. <laughs> I'm quite okay with it now.
2: Wow, that's a that's a seems like a significant outcome from that principle. So tell us some more about other than uh, divine order, what were some of the recovery ideas that really gelled for you over time? What were the concepts that sort of jumped out and you felt were most helpful for you on your recovery yeah. path?
1: Of course, learning um, of course non is, is, is created for those who live with live in around or with people who suffer from alcoholism. yes and and learning that alcoholism is actually a disease. and that really changed my whole concept or perception of an alcoholic,
2: you know.
1: Okay. Not just somebody that's drinking. It's somebody that has an illness, you know. You wouldn't kick somebody out of the house because they have cancer. Right. And you don't kick somebody out of the house just because they maybe have Alzheimer's or any other uh mental type illness. So an alcoholism is a disease. And... That helped my perception to try to help people from a different perspective, mainly to help me. The the main thing about Al-Anon is you got to learn to take care of you, not everybody else. Al-Anon isn't about just the alcoholic. It's about you. Yes. How do you handle the things that are going on around you. And uh, if you're sitting there just helping them, then you're an enabler. But if you are there to say, okay, well, listen, you come to me, you've got a problem, we'll talk about it. And come from a whole different perspective and talk about it like somebody who's sick. Yes. So, Listen, you're sick, you need help, go get help. And how do I get help? Well, that just depends on the individual. Do you need medical help? Do you need spiritual help? We all need both. And so guiding people to do their part rather than me being the controlling part. I'm not in control of anybody but me, and that's hard enough.
2: Yes, and it's, so it sounds like uh, between the the principle of divine order and the disease concept of alcoholism, that those two things combined were sort of the major shifting points for you that helped you uh, change the path that you were on and walk your own path of recovery. When in all of this, help us understand where unity fits in. How did you find unity? Tell us about that.
1: Well, it, it was... Uh, I spoke about the American Healing Arts Alliance, and I had found out about it uh, through an advertisement, and like I said, I'd gone to the first meeting and waiting for people, and we were kind of in the outside of the church, and, and they had, you know, all these magazines and different things to pick up, and I... I saw the Daily Word there, and I said, oh, they have the Daily Word here. Oh, you know, right. I, the right. The people that, most of the people there knew Unity. In fact, a lot of them were, went to Unity. And so I was realizing, they said, oh, yeah, that's our Unity monthly magazine, uh, the Daily Word, and they were telling me, I said, and then we got to talking about, well, how I discovered it and so forth and then they started telling me about unity and so then I started picking up different pamphlets there about other classes that were going on and realizing um uh, that uh oh there's a lot more here I can learn yeah. and I remember uh, there was one class of about yoga breath work and I was I knew that the breathing was very important to meditating and everything else. And I thought, you yeah, know, that might be interesting. And uh, this gentleman was coming up from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I decided to go to that class. And, and it turns out, he's, this individual now is a very good friend of mine. And uh, he was the, well, at one time he was uh the president of the board at Unity of Baton Rouge, and uh, he travels all over the world teaching metaphysics. And I would have never met him if it hadn't been for Unity. And so I started getting into Unity and then started going to church once in a while, met more people uh, that were Unity and started going to Unity down in Arkansas. and, And... Uh, started learning about unity headquarters up here and school and everything and um, i had a couple of friends who uh, decided they were going to move up here and go to work out at silent unity and so they they left one up there and, and one of them kept knew I was going through some some life changes of my own at the time uh, and kept trying to encourage me to come up there and took her about a year and a half. My son, uh, one of my sons was getting transferred to Kansas City and he said, Dad, why don't you think about coming up here? I said, well, you know, my friend's been trying to get me to come up there. So I met him up here and... Uh, Met out at the village and decided to interview for a job, which I got. Still there.
2: That sounds like (laughs) more of that kind of synchronicity that that we recognize in the divine order underneath all things. I'm wondering, could you share with our listeners about after having discovered unity and made that move uh, to Kansas City in the village? What? Were some of the core unity principles that you felt were most helpful for you on your recovery path in Al-Anon?
1: Well, I gosh, yeah, there's so many. One of the things I, I took a class. I, I, I started taking more classes, and and one of the classes that I took, which I I going, the idea of the class. Was the book uh, The Artist Way
2: Ah yes I know that
1: And You know I was thinking okay this will give me Something new to learn and so forth And I'll tell you what it, That resonated with me I took that uh, Class at Unity uh, And Independence And
2: it just
1: i It, it was like an eye opener To me
2: if yeah. I remember right, there is a lot of self care in that book. Absolutely. Is that part of what you're seeing?
1: Absolutely. As I said, yes. I was going through a major life change right after I moved up here and and that book helped me to find me again. I I, I really felt like even though I was going through all this, I was I still wasn't totally in the me yet. And I still had to find me, and that class helped me find me.
2: That sounds like a wonderful companion to both your unity path and your 12-step path, because in a very real sense, that is what we're doing when we are on a spiritual path like a 12-step recovery path and like a unity spiritual path, is we are on a journey of discovery, not only of God as we understand God, but of ourselves as well. And that's what I hear you uh, bringing into this, that um, deep teaching, that uh, deep understanding of finding oneself.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Doing that and learning more on the twelve powers and 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 all of those, but that that class just—I don't know—it it really opened me up to realizing, you know, you you got to take care of yourself. Yes, number one, even even though like we discussed before, Alman or any of these is about taking care of yourself. I remember. You know, the serenity prayer, which we all know. I remember one time at while working at Unity, somebody came up with a little different version. It wasn't me, but I'd like to quote it real quick if you don't mind.
2: Please do. We're coming to near the end of our time. This would be a wonderful right. way to take us out. Go ahead.
1: God, grant me the serenity to accept the ones I cannot change. The courage to change the one I can
2: mm.
1: and the wisdom to know it's me.
2: That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And that is a perfect way for us to bring our time together as a close. Thank you so much, Tom, for being on our show and sharing your wisdom with us. And thank you to the listeners as well. Um, we, When we share in honesty and truth, we know that others find hope. As we've heard from our guest, Tom P. today, there are so many blessings and lessons and wonderful discoveries and surprises on our spiritual path, and that simply by putting one foot in front of the other, they begin to show up. And we've heard that clearly, I think, in Tom's story about divine order and the various ways he has discovered the concept of God within. So thank you, listeners. Uh, You can look us up on Spirit of Recovery. Give us your thoughts and feedback and we you invite you to join us next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central and have a wonderful wonder-filled week.
0: Guidance and direction are bubbling up from your soul all the time, even at night. But do you hear your soul when it calls? Do you recognize it? Do you trust it? Can you trust it? How can you be certain you are hearing the voice of your precious soul? Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that help you hear your soul, recognize and trust its guidance and begin to take action to create a truly beautiful life. Learn the wisdom habit of divine dialogue in Writing Down Your Soul, How to Live a Life of Integrity in Soul Vows, and Discover Your Soul's Unique Purpose in Check the Box. If you long to create a soul-directed life, visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, Your soul wants five things.
3: The more we learn about life, the more we realize life never stands still. Life is in a constant state of growth and change. In our individual lives, we may resent change or even resist it. We often forget that our resistance doesn't stop life from changing. Our resistance keeps us locked into a negative mindset and blocks our acceptance and enjoyment of life's constant diversity and variety. Learn to recognize change as a stepping stone to greater growth and good. Meet life's changing conditions with courage and optimism. Changing your thoughts helps you change your actions and can result in positive changes in you and the world around you. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org.